Hey everybody, welcome to the Fantasy Hockey Picks and Bets show. I am Matt Moody, joined by DJ Mitchell, and we are here for the January 14th, Thursday, NHL Daily Show. DJ, how you doing? Uh, you know, Wednesday was opening night. How did it go for you? And, uh, you know, are you glad hockey's back? Oh, I mean, couldn't be happier. Hockey's back. I'm wearing the great one, the Wayne Gretzky jersey. I'll probably have a different jersey on every single episode. So if you're watching live, you will see me go through my collection of jerseys, which is only going to be growing. Um, but I couldn't be happier. The Buffalo Sabres are back tonight. Um, can't wait to watch them. Hopefully not break my heart this season. But we're here to talk about all 10 games. Um, before we get started, though, I want to mention uh, Fade the Noise, FTN. You're going to want to get in on that. You use the code Mayo if you want to get all of your action you want to get all of, all encompassing all fantasy sports with this uh, network. It's a great one to get involved in. We also, if you can't get enough of us, if you want more um, daily fantasy hockey, Morning Skate podcast, check us out. We've gotten a ton of followers. We're, we're grateful for every one of you. Please let us know what you like, what you don't like. We got a lot of new users, so give us feedback. Uh, that's a gift, and we want more of it. And uh, night one, it's going well. I had some Philadelphia two, which worked out really well. That late goal from Toronto and overtime saved a couple of those lineups. Uh, but we, we're not here to you know, go over. Our, we're not going to talk about our, our if we won or lost. Uh, we're not taking on 50K. I think I'll have some good ones. We got to talk about what happened tonight. The big news. Matt, what am I talking about? We had to pause the other podcast uh, because of what news again? Yeah. So on Wednesday night, um, we ran into a situation where 20 minutes for puck drop in the last game of the night, uh, the St. Louis Blues confirmed that Mike Hoffman would miss uh, due to work visa issues. And this was something that wasn't planned for. Um, if you were, you know, playing DFS, Mike Hoffman was very popular around the industry and um, it came out of nowhere. So it just sort of goes to show like, um, you know, there is an edge in DFS, you know, when you're paying attention and staying on top of things, I'm sure plenty of people missed it. I haven't gone through my contest quite yet to see just how many that is. Um, but, you know, a lot of people I've seen on Twitter complaining about it. Um, so just one of those things that like, you know, you think, you know, what's the edge in DFS these days? And I think the NHL is a great place for that, um, you know, especially in showdown, the, the 1030 showdown slate. Um, I believe I saw Mike Hoffman upwards of 10% owned on that slate. So they're paying the rake for you. Um, so, you know, just something to take away from this Wednesday night slate. Uh, it, it was a nice appetizer, you know, five games spread throughout 530 to just about 1 a.m. on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, we go right into 10 games here on Thursday. Um, only one team, or I guess one game on a back-to-back, which is Vancouver and Edmonton. Um, so, yeah, I, you mentioned Fade the Noise. Um, just go to ftndaily.com for the daily fantasy stuff, or you can go to FTN um, Betting for the betting side of it, um, you know, just a lot of stuff there used to code Mayo and uh, we can get right into it. So DJ, what's the first game we have to talk about here on Thursday? All right, so we have the Washington Capitals against the Buffalo Sabres. We are, even though we're Sabres fans, we're definitely not Homer. And that probably will come out in the exact opposite sense of what you normally expect from a podcast host talking about their favorite team. Uh, the Sabres have broken us beyond repair. So the first game we're going to get to is Washington Buffalo, 7 p.m. in downtown Buffalo. 
Uh, so this game, obviously, it, it's uh, stars and scrubs for sure. You got your Jack Eichel, your Ovechkin, um, Taylor Hall, that way up there, John Carlson. And then you're going to find some cheaper guys that might fit in. So I'm just going to quickly go through. We don't, we're not going to go every single line, everything, but uh, it's projected that Jack Eichel will play with Taylor Hall and Tage Thompson on the first line. Thompson not on the first power play. Definitely hurts his value, but he's 3,200. So if you... Uh, 3,100 on DraftKings. So if you really like that line, it's worth looking into. Um, Victor Olofsson, 4,500, but he's not currently slotted on the first line. With yeah. um, Washington, I think it's a lot easier. They kind of run the same units, but Matt, I'll toss it to you for them. Yeah, so I was actually really surprised to see the line on this game. It looks like the Sabres are about plus uh, 115. Uh, so, you know, when you looked at the preseason odds, you know, you saw the Capitals right up there among the top four in the East Division. And the Sabres, you know, toward the basement. Um, so this is a really early spot where if you think that the Capitals are one of those elite teams, you can get them at minus 134. Um, that honestly seems like a pretty good number. So, you know, that sort of jumped out to me right off the bat. But on the Washington side from the daily fantasy side of things, you know, the entire offense runs to Mr. Alex Ovechkin. Um, you're going to pay for him, but there is simply nobody like him in the league. And definitely nobody like him on the slate because I think the closest thing to him might be Austin Matthews um, just in terms of shot dominance and such an elite shooter. Um, so I really like Alex Ovechkin here to, you know, to score a goal in your DFS lineups. Um, basically, give me all of the Alex Ovechkin on this slate. Yeah. And one one thing uh, just to kind of give a little bit of a shout out to our podcast, we did do a tips and notes kind of podcast for all daily fantasy hockey. So if you're brand new, definitely go check that out. Morning skate podcast. You can go to our Twitter, go through either of us to find it really quickly. Um, the one thing that we kind of talk about a lot is core plays and kind of how you can you know, construct the lineup by having your core plays and then finding the cheaper guys to mix in with it. Ovechkin definitely a core play tonight. He's a core play every single night though. So we don't need to go into great detail there. I agree with you fully on the money line. Um, is there any last player, uh, maybe one cheap guy in this game that you're really high on? I mentioned Tage Thompson. He might not be the, the sexiest of plays without that power play one, but is there any really cheap guys you want to get to here? Or you no, want to I mean, of- just to, so on Tage Thompson, I, he should be getting second power play time. And, mm-hmm. you know, while it's not perfect, I do think that that really puts him in play at his bargain bin price. Um, we've seen in the past, you know, his previous stint in St. Louis, um, we've even seen it in the AHL, like he's going to shoot the puck when he gets the chance. And that's really what you're looking for in DFS. So I think he's in a pretty good spot here, um, regardless of not quite having that top, you know, top tier power play usage. So, um, we can go over to the next game. Uh, no particular order. We're just going in mostly time order here. So, um, Boston taking on the devils. Um, Boston is minus 175 here. Definitely a you know pretty significant favorite. Key news here is that they will have Brad Marchand. I know there was some question earlier in the week. You know he missed some practices. Um, it sounds like he's good to go. And uh, joining him on the first line will be Patrice Bergeron and uh, uh, Jack Studnicka. <laughs> um, you know from a DFS perspective, that's awfully interesting. So I'll throw this over to you, DJ. Um, how do you feel about this game in general and, uh, you know, any Bruins that you might like from a DFS perspective? I, mean, I think there's a lot of value in Boston, actually, which is really strange to say. Normally, we're always kind of uh, the star approach with that top line or nothing. But in this game, their power play one actually works out pretty nicely. 
Bergeron, Marchand, obviously uh, making their way onto that first unit with Krejci, Coyle. Uh, Krejci coming in at 4,600. Coyle coming in at 4,100 on DraftKings, both center eligible with the defenseman. As I think you may have mentioned on the first show, Matt Greslick getting the nod at 3,300 on the first unit. So if you're stacking up Boston, Greslick makes a ton of sense. He's not a great rate player. He's not terrible either, though. Um, so I think it's incredibly cheap for him. There's a few defensemen at this price on DraftKings that are just too cheap. Um, they And I think it correlates pretty well over on FanDuel, too, if you play over there. So I definitely like this cheap Boston action. Um, I do think if you're running enough lineups, you're going to want to get Barshan, Greslick, uh, and Bergeron in a lineup for sure. Um, anyone over on the devil side that interests you, they're unbelievably cheap. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting that Jack Hughes, uh, you know, 3600 I believe, is his price here. And he is just, I mean, he oozes talent. And it's just a matter of, you know, is this the year he sort of breaks through his sophomore season? Um, you know, he had a really tough go of it last year, but you saw the tools, you saw the, you saw the skill. Um, so he's really a guy that I think, you know, you can play in multiple slates to begin the season when he's sub, let's call it 4,500. And if you're right on him sort of taking that next leap into being a star player, uh, that that's really uh, a guy who I think you could sort of take that speculative play for. Um, and I will just echo your thoughts, especially on the David Krejci end of things. I think he's the main benefactor of Pasternak being out to begin the season. Uh, Krejci in the bubble without Pasta did play in that, you know, uh, call it the OV spot or where Pasternak played, uh, basically taking one-timers. And I think Greslik setting him up, uh, you know, he should have a pretty nice night here, uh, inexpensive against a really poor Devils team. Sure. I'm not really too interested in the money lines. I think if anything, I would take Boston pretty easily. Minus 175 isn't terrible. Uh, the over under five and a half. I think that's, that's right. It, you know, it could be one bounce away from six. So I'm probably not going to look at that as something I'd want to bet on. Is there anything on the money lines before we get over to the Islanders Rangers? I got nothing. All right, let's get right over then to the Islanders Rangers. Um, you know, the first thing for Lafreniere, the big thing with the Rangers, I'll just start with them, I guess, is that Zabinijad, who will play, he's really expensive, did have some COVID issues. So he wasn't um, with them for all practices. So it's a little bit of a concern. And at 8,400, I'm not buying it. He's not playing with Panarin at this point, unless if something changes. So it's really hard to get that that top end stack option with him. I'm a little bit more interested in Panarin if I'm playing anything here, but overall, I'm not that interested in this game. The sixth over under feel, it feels like you go over on it. I would feel pretty decent about that. Um, but overall, I'm not looking to spend way up on Rangers. I'm also not looking to spend up on Islanders with Brock Nielsen at 4,600. I just feel like this game has some mispricing on DraftKings. There's not a ton, a ton of uh, cheap guys either that I'm interested in. So this mainly is a fade for me. Uh, I might just fully on fade this game from my consideration. There's no one that really reaches out to me and, and grabs my attention. So I'll send it to you. If you have anything of interest here, then I'll let you take the floor. Yeah. So, you know, early in the season, uh, I feel like a lot of the conventional wisdom is to just sort of, you know, think over on basically anything. And, you know, that, that certainly could be the case, but I think that a game with the Islanders, uh, maybe sneaky, decent defensively Rangers team, you know, uh, like Adam Fox was an absolute stud last year, just from an on ice perspective. Um, you know, Jacob Truba, a fine player, Tony D'Angelo, you know, when he's on the ice, yeah, he makes things happen. Um, and he might not be the best in his own end, but 
I don't think he's a terrible third line, like, you know, sort of defenseman. So I feel like the Rangers might be getting a little bit overplayed as this like offensive dynamo that'll like really light it up at both ends of the, the rink. And you certainly aren't getting that with the Islanders. You know, if they could win every game one, nothing, they would sign up for that in a heartbeat. I mean, heck, if, if they were to lose every game two to one in overtime, I think they would sign up for that too. Um, so I think the under here is a really interesting one. And I did not really come into the season expecting to, uh, you know, like unders to start the year. But this game in particular just sort of has the, the smell of, you know, this sort of grinded out, uh, you know, under. But uh, for that reason, I don't really have a whole lot on the DFS side of it either. Like you mentioned, Zabinijad, I just think he's prohibit- prohibitively priced. And there's not really a whole lot of other pieces that I like from either side of this game. So maybe consider Shesterkin as well in that. So, yeah. um, and one, one note really quick, because, you know, I think both of us just kind of said, you know, Zabinijad's a bit priced too high. I think a lot of people are going to feel the same way, but on a 10 game slate, I never really want to worry about ownership as a big issue. Um, if you have 10 games, all these centers, I, yeah. I mean, is Zabinijad going to go under maybe what he's normal uh, ownership is? Yeah. But it's not going to be by enough for me to really need to try to do that to get contrarian. Um, is there anything you want to mention about that kind of strategy or just move right over? Is that fair enough? Yeah. I mean, there's just so many players that uh, you're not likely to see ownership condense unless you're playing in really high stakes, um, you know, type contests where a lot of people sort of have a similar approach. Um, but in these like large, you know, GPPs with 10, 20, 50 K to first, you're not too likely to see ownership condense on any one spot to where it's super necessary to uh, quote unquote, pay up to be contrarian uh, just because almost everyone gives you like a unique uh, sort of lineup build. So um, getting to the next game, we have uh, these, I think tied for the largest favorite of the night, uh, Carolina heading into Detroit as a minus 200 favorite here. Obviously Detroit being the league's worst team last year, uh, this game is also very interesting in that it's the only one on the slate with a six and a half total. Um, so DJ, uh, what are your thoughts here? And does Carolina sort of like merit this like mega implied team total that they are currently being uh, listed at? Yeah, I, I definitely think they do. Um, I, you know, I talked about, I, I wouldn't even mind going with four Carolina Hurricanes. If you make enough lineups, I wouldn't mind jamming that in, getting a lot of that first power play. Ducky Hamilton is the only top tier defenseman I'm, I'm heavy on. Uh, I think the mid tier on defense on DraftKings is so interesting that I'm just not going to spend up. Um, on FanDuel, Ducky Hamilton, to me, is almost a lock. Uh, he's so incredibly cheap. Um, so depending on what site you're playing on, you know, 50, 100 for Dougie on uh, not FanDuel is just egregious. So I'm definitely interested here. It's not, I, again, you talk about prohibitive pricing. Like none of these guys are. The most expensive, Aho at 7,100 isn't bad. You can even get guys like Trocheck at 4K who are projected to be on the top power play. He's a bit of a solo guy, but if you get, you know, you'll go with Turbo, uh, Hamilton, Aho, and just throw in Trocheck, if we get confirmation he's on the first power play, I think you're sitting pretty I don't hate the idea of playing uh, Detroit Red Wing just because we know exactly where these guys are going to be. Um, Larkin and Mantha just getting such massive roles, but I'm not forcing it because I think Carolina is a good enough defensive team that they'll be able to keep them at bay. So I'm probably not going to play a ton of Red Wings, but maybe mixing in a couple. As far as cheap guys in this game, Nino Niederreiter, uh, 3,700. I think he's always an option when you're stacking. Um, he might not see the power play one role. We're still waiting on confirmation. Uh, last night, you know, we had anything. It didn't seem like he was going to be there, but 
we'll find out. Uh, Matt, anything you want to mention other than that? For this yeah, I'll, I'll just add on to the, the Dougie Hamilton discussion, like uh, the, the importance of sort of looking at where you're playing site-wise. Um, so on DraftKings, as you mentioned, he's 7000 the second highest priced defenseman next to Brent Burns. I think he is at, um, let me just pull, 7700 for Brent Burns. Uh, 6,900 for Carlson, 6,700 for Yossi. 7K for Dougie. You know, here are the names on FanDuel who Dougie Hamilton, you know, 5,800. Zach Wierenski, 5,800. On DraftKings, Zach Wierenski is 4,800. And you can go down the list here on FanDuel. Like the names that he's placed around, it's just such a massive difference. Um, Right, that's what I'm saying. And and that's why I think I, I don't always play on both sites, but I think... Early in the season, there's going to be a lot of price variation. And even if you're not going to play on FanDuel or on DraftKings, if you really prefer one, just give it a look, kind of see what, what the other sites are saying. I mean, there's a lot of money and algorithms that go into this. Uh, they're, they're not stupid. So check it out. See what you could get. Um, we'll get we'll go over one guy that's 5,300 on FanDuel and uh, 3,300 on DraftKings in a little bit here when we get to it. So you look, you see what I'm saying, though. Look over these prices. It's another great strategy. Um to see what's going on on both sites and where you can get some uh, advantage. So getting to the next game, unless there's anything you want to add, Columbus and Nashville, are you ready? Yeah, so Columbus and Nashville, uh, definitely a game that has, I would say, you know, not the most value on the slate, but uh, the most expensive forward, Forsberg at 6K. Then after that, it gets down to 5,100 with Brookstrand. So there's a ton of value here. I do think this game projects to be a lower scoring one. It's not going to be heavily stacked. I think for good reason, um, but Bjorkstrand at 5,100, I think is a pretty solid play just to kind of center around one of these, you know, cheaper defensemen for Columbus. Uh, Seth Jones, we remember in the playoffs playing about 500 minutes a night. Uh, they definitely are going to rely on him. And, you know, he's going to play a, a ton of minutes with Bjorkstrand, 52, 5,100. That's, I think, a great value um, on the Nashville side, I don't know if I love Nashville here, but again, they're cheap enough. I'm just going to send it to you. Is there one guy or two guys on Nashville that you're considering, or is this game more of a dud for you? Like, I think it will be. Yeah, so, you know, one spot worth monitoring is Victor Arvidsson uh, missed on Tuesday. So if he is, uh, he missed practice on Wednesday. Sorry, he did practice Tuesday. Uh, If that was something, you know, more severe than just a maintenance day, we could see some supreme value, uh, maybe by the name of, you know, uh, Ely Tolvanen, Uh, or something else, you know, going on in Nashville, but there could be a large vacuum of, you know, just opportunity up for grabs, uh, much like we saw with uh, Vancouver on Wednesday with JT Miller missing and Vancouver on Thursday also with JT Miller uh, still missing. Um, So that's just one area worth, you know, worth worth checking in on throughout the day on Thursday. But otherwise, I think this is right. It's probably the least, uh, you know, PC game, uh, the over-under is five and a half with the under-favored. So if you want to bet on goalies being goalies and just take the over here, you're basically getting even odds on there being six goals. I don't hate that, especially when you have guys like Forsberg and Bjorkstrand who can beat a goalie from absolutely anywhere. Um, so I like that, but nothing too crazy. The one narrative worth tracking, James Harden finally worked his way into a trade out of Houston maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois goes into, uh, you know, FU mode and tries to do the same for himself. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's really the best you've got. Great. 
Okay, well, let's get over to a game that I think I we both have a lot more interest in, in this Calgary-Winnipeg game. Uh, it feels like the over-under on this is at five and a half just because of the goaltending matchup, which we just saw Carey Price and Frederick Anderson get shelled for, uh, what, uh, 11-goal game. I, I, I'm not that interested early on in the season of buying in on any goalie in particular. Um, both defenses, I think Calgary is, is very good. Winnipeg's is not that great. I'm definitely interested in both sides of this game. I'm interested in the over as well. Um, I wouldn't really care on the on the money line. I think it's it's you know, if you really like a strong feeling on it, go for it. But there's supreme value in guys like Patrick Laine, Blake Wheeler, um, Ellers would be, but he mispracticed um, when you're listening to this yesterday with uh, COVID protocol related thing. Um, Paul Maurice did not rule him out of the game, so definitely keep an eye on that. But at 5400, he was slotted in on that first line um, with another supreme value here, Shifley at 5800. We I don't know if we ever ever saw him that cheap last year. So there's a ton of value over on Winnipeg and right away with uh, Calgary as well. Monaghan 57, Lindholm, uh, who is going to be playing with the Chuck 5,300. So Monaghan, Gaudreau, you know, however you want to put that together, supreme value here. Is there one spot in particular you're looking to capitalize with that? I mean, look, here's the thing. Calgary and Winnipeg combined for one good real life defenseman in Mark Giordano, who is really old. I mean, you're Rasmus looking, Anderson, don't do it. Okay, but is he really capable of keeping this game? I mean, this game should not be a five and a half. And no, I, I no, think I that, that I think that this is one of the best bets on the board. Um, you know, get on it before it gets to a six. I imagine it'll close at six. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm not buying that Markstrom's going to come in and save the the Flames. And I'm also not buying that, you know, <laughs> Hellebuck can have a Vezina caliber season and drag this team, you know, within earshot of the playoffs. Like Winnipeg was really bad last year and they played a lot of fun games that Hellebuck just bailed them out in. Um, so I think this one is just a really, really fun one. Uh, and the top line in Winnipeg is where I'm mostly focusing a lot, like you said. So mm-hmm. um, it's almost a dead flip on, on FanDuel. I was going to mention Kyle Connor almost oh, the full 900 cheaper than line eight on FanDuel while on DraftKings um, 7k Connor 5,600 line eight. It's very, it's just weird how these sites work. I know the scoring can be a touch different, but man, like definitely flip the narrative um, on the other site for sure. But is there anything else you want to mention here? Are there any cheap guys that you want to mention? Uh, is uh, I know Dylan Dubé is playing with uh, one of the top lines there. Uh, stuff like, is there any of those guys that are interesting to you? Or yeah, I mean, you mentioned Rasmus Anderson, and you know, yeah, I'm a I'm a longtime fanboy. He should get first dibs at the first power play this season. Um, so yeah, he's in he play. Does. You know, he's in play. He didn't show great last year. You know, he got some opportunities, and you know, he didn't put up great rate stats or anything. Um, but the price, you know, should be there, workable for him. Um, but in general, I just think, you know, getting pieces to this game and the over are just my favorite two ways to approach it because okay. it, I, I think there'll be a coming out party for Anderson though. I really like that call and we should just get on it early. I mean, there's always defensemen or I mean, players in general that start the year super cheap and really, really, really underowned that we want to get on. If we get any clarification on that top unit and Anderson start to take over, jump on it early and just rake in the money. Speaking of raking the money, we go over to San Jose and Arizona. Um, there are a number of ways I could go with this. I will not mention Evander Kane. Instead, I will go with the if you've played Brent Burns over the last five years, you know, besides last year, you've been raking in money. Um, 
yeah, sorry for the low blow there, Vander. Uh, you know, you're number one in my heart. Uh, you He's know, listening I, for sure. I, I think, <laughs> he's definitely listening. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I love that guy. He's he's so much fun to watch play hockey. So I, you know, I hope he stays on the ice. Per, you know, selfishly. Um, so anyway, you know, looking at this game, it, it looks like another snoozer in Vegas. Uh, you know, or, I guess based on the odds, um, and I don't really see too much to like here. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, Brent Burns seems like he's priced as if he's the old Brent Burns. And frankly, that's just no guarantee. Uh, you know, I'm personally sort of betting on a bounce back, but I am not betting on playing him at 7,700 in a snoozer type of a matchup. Um, so from a DFS perspective, this game is pretty much dead to me. Uh, but DJ, any thoughts on sort of the other context around this game or any other plays? I mean, I think that there's enough value in San Jose where I could consider it. Um, I mean, Carlson, oh, I, I like him a lot more than Brent Burns, price considered. I'm not paying 7,300 for Burns in this matchup. But I think with San Jose, what I mentioned on the other show, they are still in win-now mode, even though almost everyone's writing them off. So I think they're still going to be playing those top two lines a very uh, good amount, and the minutes are going to be high. Uh, we know where it's coming from with all of these guys. There are a couple, I guess, supreme values. Um at minimum salary, I'm trying to f- actually find him. Um, John Leonard, um, he was a guy that led college hockey in points, I believe, last year. Is that ringing a bell? He led it in goal scoring, but it could in have been goal scoring. It was just goal. I just want to make sure. Okay, in goals, um, he's power play two, 2,700. I think you'll see a good amount of minutes. I actually believe in him as a guy that at minimum salary or right around there that could get the job done. Uh, Ryan Donato, also minimum salary is kind of slotted in a bad spot in the third or fourth line. So minutes might not be there, but second power play should be the trigger guy there. Um, but guys um, on, at center, Couture, Hurdle, below 6K. I think that's fair enough value. Um, but overall, this game, I, I'm just trying to get a couple pieces maybe. Uh, and then moving on, not much on Arizona, maybe Connor Garland. But other than that, I'm probably content to move over to Vancouver and Edmonton. Uh, yeah, so... You know, we we don't have a whole lot to work with from the Vancouver Edmonton game, um, but I'm sure there will be some really good sort of insights to take away from it. It looks like Yamamoto scored from Dreisaitl. Um, so that line, you know, McDavid's not quite yet playing with Dreisaitl. Uh, it, it could get there. You know, we'll see. But um, just in general, this game sh- should be a fun one, you know, um, regardless of whether it plays out on Wednesday night. Just on paper, these two teams, you know, uh, basically like all of the Canadian teams, seem much weaker defensively than they are strong uh, offensively. So it's just like there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think, mistakes and a lot of sort of opportunity. Um, As we alluded to, there's a ton of opportunity, especially in Vancouver, due to the absence of JT Miller. So, uh, DJ, do you want to take us through some of the ramifications of Miller's uh, extended COVID absence uh, from the yeah, sound I mean, of things? At this point, we have Niles Hoglander, who was mentioned on the last show. This is their only back-to-back, um, which we should mention. He was mentioned by the guys on the show for Wednesday. Uh, I mentioned him again. I mean, this guy has six skill. He is a goal scorer that has like multiple Michigan style goals over in the Swedish league. He's a beast um, rookie top power play, getting tons of uh, tons of opportunity there. We're going to have to find out exactly the usage tomorrow, but that, that could be a premium spot to play um, just overall in this game. I like the over, I know it's a back to back. I think we kind of 
both feel the same way about this. These back-to-backs are not the same. This is a baseball series type of style. They don't go anywhere. They're not traveling from, you know, Vancouver to Edmonton. They're already there. They're just going to go to their hotels, go to bed, get up and play tomorrow. So I'm not that concerned about it. I think if you like the over on this game the night before, where I think it was a half goal higher, I'd like it again, the same exact amount. Um, The real supreme value on this game, again, I think is going to be Brock Besser who was valued right before with JT Miller out that does open maybe a little more ice time for Besser, maybe gives him a few more opportunities to shoot the puck. He's got a great shot. Um, and then if you do stack up on Edmonton, if you really like McDavid or Dreisaitl or both, um, for some reason, and I don't know what it is, and this was the guy I was alluding to earlier, at 3,300 Tyson Berry, uh, we're going to need to make sure that he's still power play one and you know getting that role. But 3,300 for Tyson Berry, if he's getting a lot of usage with McDavid and Dreisaitl, that's, that price just doesn't make any sense. He was, what, I think, 44 or 4,500. He just drops a full 1,100. It doesn't make any logical sense to me why DraftKings did that, but we might as well take advantage of it right here. He, him and Greslick are the supreme values um, at defense, and if you're stacking either Boston or Edmonton, you're going to want to maybe consider those guys. Uh, is there anything else you want to mention on either side in this game? I think I covered a good bit there. Yeah, no, I'll temper expectations for Barry just a touch because it does seem like he's going to be used in a third line type of role. So you might be stretching it if he, you know, if you're projecting 17 minutes time on ice for Tyson Barry. Um, So, you know, I think I'm looking more to spend up rather than take that value myself um, just to get, you know, 24 minutes or so out of guys who I think have similar floors. Um, But, you know, I certainly... I, I can't tell you why he is 1100 less overnight. Um, yeah. So let's move over to Anaheim Vegas. Um, you know, Vegas, they are the largest favorite of the night minus two fifteen, but they're doing something that I don't think we have ever seen before in the NHL. No, they are going into uh, this game with a plan to play 13 forwards and only five defensemen. Now we've seen teams, you know, go 11 and seven and sort of rotate through their defensemen in that way, but we've never seen a team in, intentionally shorthand themselves, you know, on defense. And of course, some of that makes sense because you bring in Alex Petrangelo, um, you know, he and Shea Theodore can easily play, you know, half the, half the night and your team's in good shape. Um but that's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, maybe not quite so much from a betting perspective because, you know, you can maybe make an argument that if their defense is too tired and this is sort of like a, you know, maybe it's some sort of like conditioning exercise for the playoffs. I don't know. Um, but certainly the creativity of Vegas here uh, should be seen in DFS where it just sort of makes these forwards a little bit more volatile a little bit more risky because their minutes, you know, could disappear. Someone could step up onto their line and they could just ride the bench. We don't really know how they're going to handle it. Um, And then also obviously the defenseman getting a ton of minutes. So uh, here, my primary lean is to maybe consider like the ducks puck line uh, just because like, you know, maybe this game stays close. Um, I'm sort of, you know, a bit high on the ducks myself coming into this season. And I I think that that's, you know, a a reasonable thing to do given some of the uncertainty around Vegas. And then the second thing is to uh, look really hard at Shea Theodore and, you know, uh, 
you know, if you project him to play the first power play, Shea Theodore should see, honest to goodness, 28 minutes or more in this game. So yeah. I, I know I covered a lot of it, Deej, but uh, any other thoughts on this game? Yeah, no. I think you really knocked it out of the park. I mean, that, that was exactly what I wanted to say. And I knew we both are on the same page with this game. It's a very unique setup that we've never seen before. Um, and I totally agree. I think the one punt that I wanted to get to, and I've already said a couple of really good defensive punts, but Shattenkirk or Fowler are going to find themselves probably on that first power play unit. I think it'll be Shattenkirk. Uh, 3,400 for Shattenkirk, 3,100 for um, Fowler. If you do find yourself uh, for whatever reason, uh, it may be liking a couple of these Anaheim guys, supreme value there so the correlation should find itself um i i'm not very high on this game other than maybe a couple vegas guys like pops and stone with one of those defensemen could find its way into my lineup but overall i think i kind of like the under in this game it just not really getting too high on it um but we can get over to the final game of the night minnesota at los angeles los angeles obviously a team that most people are counting out to start the year and probably for good reason their highest, I think their highest DK player, I mean, Kopitar obviously at 6K, Dowdy at um, 54, gets a lot cheaper. I mean, I, I don't see a ton of value here anyways, with just because they're, they're not that good. Um, I think Minnesota has a lot more meat on the bone. Um, and I kind of like Minnesota in this game and probably, again, the under five and a half. I don't normally like to take those unders, especially early in the season, but I don't see this being a super high scoring game unless if Minnesota blows the doors off. So maybe if you take the Minnesota line, you just go over because they probably just go um, nuclear on this very weak LA team. So is there any um, daily leans that you have in this game? And why is it Matt Dumba? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in Minnesota, um, I, you know, obviously you mentioned Matt Dumba. I think he's uh, se- severely underpriced at 4,200 here. Sides. Uh, yes, uh, on both sides. Uh, on DraftKings, he is uh, 4,200. Yeah, and he's, he's going to shoot. He's going to be featured on their power play. Um, you know, I, I think he's among the best defensive plays uh, on this entire slate. But I also think that Minnesota has a couple of the best values as well. Um, their new first line looks like it will be Zach Parise with – uh, Kirill Kaprizov uh, flanking Nick Bukestad. And all of these guys are just wildly cheap. It, it really kind of boggles the mind how a guy like Kirill Kaprizov can have the success in a men's professional league in Russia. Uh, come over, be the Calder. Uh, I think he's the odds on favorite as, you know, as the season starts, it might be one of the Rangers guys, but I know Kaprizov yeah, just closed. A little, just a little below them. Yeah, we okay. closed right near him. He closed the gap, but you know, you're talking and he's 2,900. Like this guy has so much talent. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do in the NHL. And when DraftKings is basically begging you to play him, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. And, you know, also in alignment with that, I just think Minnesota is a far superior team to the Kings. The fact that they're minus 125 is kind of a slap in the face, you know, like <laughs> it's, and even even better, I think, might be this puck line. If you bet Minnesota to win by you know two goals or more, so minus one and a half on the puck line, you can get two to one odds on that. So you just need to think one third of the time Minnesota either wins by two or you know wins by one with a empty net goal toward the end of the game. Like I think that's a really good number. Um, so I think I'll take that myself, and I'll also look really hard at Kaprizov as sort of like a main value point in this uh, yeah. on this slate. 
Yeah, I think he's one of my core players. Him and Ovechkin are two guys that, you know, you put in your wing spots, um, opposite ends of the spectrum, but I think both have really, really, really high upside. So I'm all in on that. I love that Minnesota stack that you mentioned as one of my core stacks that I'm considering, one of my favorite cheap stacks of the night for sure. I think we mentioned enough stacks at this point, though. Um, if you just want to get into a little bit, just a quick goalie talk. I know your least favorite position is definitely a goalie, but I know that people want to at least hear something about goalie before we move on. Um, is there, unless if there's anything you wanted to mention in the Minnesota LA game. No, I mean, I, I'm just disappointed this is a video show because whenever I hear about goalies and like having to select a goalie, I, I just feel like the color drains from my face and, I, and I'm just sort of staring at like this, this impossible math problem that I just cannot solve. Um, well, uh, really quickly before we, we do this, um, just we talked about this um, in our tips and, and, and uh, other show, which we'll definitely link if anyone has interest DM any either of us DM. Um, the morning skate podcast will get you that information. The one thing about goaltender, Matt, is a lot of people have different kind of ideas of how they want to attack a slate, a 10 game slate like this and where goalie is going to fit in. Now, some people like to go against their goalie. I know you're not of that mindset. You want to give a quick explanation of how you select a goalie um, when you're on a 10 game slate. Um, sure. So, you know, the number one thing that people, uh, they might get this from soccer because soccer has a very similar element of, you know, guys who see a lot of shots on goal, you know, the, the players going against that goalie will get a lot of points for the shots and the goalie will get a lot of points for the saves. That doesn't really hold true in uh, hockey, so to speak. You'll see it from time to time, you know, take down a big GPP and people go, oh, look at this guy. He played, you know, four Dallas Stars against the Winnipeg goalie. Well, not this year, but uh, I believe that happened last year at one point. And it just doesn't really work like that. Um, it, it's much more... Uh, dependent on, you know, the sort of win bonus. Uh, and you're just not as likely to win when, you know, when your stack's giving, uh, you know, not giving you sort of the goals needed for their team to win. So um, I prefer to correlate with my line stacks. Uh, part of the reason being something called score effects, which is something that's very well, uh, you know, well established in hockey is, you know, late in games when teams are leading, uh, they tend to give up a lot more shots and those shots tend to be of less danger, uh, meaning that your goalie gets to make easy saves and he gets the win if your stack does well. And of course, it doesn't always work like that, but that's what I try to do. Um, and then if I can't correlate my goalie, I always try and go cheap. Uh, you can usually find cheap goalies that you know have decent win odds and I prefer to use that money to spend up on more sure forwards and defensemen to just sort of get me uh, more points in my lineup. So uh, that's my goalie talk. I think that's a, the, the perfect, perfect way to put it. Um, that's why I'm this slate. I'm just going to take it from here quickly. That's why I'm this. I really like Cam Talbot. I think LA is going to be down. The concern obviously is, is LA getting get enough shots on net. Um, but Minnesota is already very good at keeping shots to the outside. So if LA is going to have a chance in this game, really going to be firing the puck as much as possible. If that's happening, I think Cam Talbot's in an elite spot at 7,900. Play, you know, Bukestad, Krill, Dumba, and um, Talbot really cheap. That'll help you get those top end players like Ovechkin um, and Eichel to, into your lineup. So that's one of my favorites. I think I'm the cheaper end. I like either one of these Columbus goaltenders. Um, I think it, it could be Corpusalo or Merzlingens. We're not 100%. Either one of those is fine by me. Um, is there anyone that you want to mention in net as maybe like, Hey, I like this stack. And with that stack, I think this goalie makes sense. Um, 
you know, I, I think that the Sabres could make sense. We talked about at the beginning of the show how uh, their their money line is, you know, it's not quite a pick em, but it's much closer than I think you would expect at first glance. Yet, they're a home goalie priced at 7400 here on DraftKings. Uh, I believe it'll be Olmark in that, but that's a very easy pairing to go with your uh, Eichel and Hall type stacks, um, you know, but... I think that Cam Talbot will be my most owned goalie, you know, just to prognosticate ahead of time here on this Thursday slate. So um, let's do a couple of top uh, DFS stacks and a top value and then get on out of here. What do you say? Perfect. Uh, first off, Niles Hoglander did score. So when you're listening to this, know that he's probably going to be cemented in that top power play unit. Um, that seems to be pretty likely. So top stacks, uh, I will go with, I mean, the Winnipeg one's too good to be true, I think. Uh, it's right in the middle tier. I hope I'm not stealing this from you, but I'm sure I am. Uh, I think at this point, I'm not expecting to see Ellers play. Um, they're hush-hush about it, but I think that's on purpose. Uh, so Shifley, Line A, and it, I, I definitely consider 51 Neil Pionk, although I'm not sure if I'm going to go with him on defense. The two-man stack's fine, or maybe even throwing Wheeler with it at 58. All right. Um you know, with all of the the value that's, uh, you know, sort of apparent to us, um, it sure seems like this Vancouver-Edmonton game might be a bit of a, a, bit of a dud. Uh, I want to go right back to the well. And, you know, Connor McDavid, one of the best players in the world, I think he might go on their own just because they're on a back-to-back. And you can get him with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They're pretty expensive, but I think they're also among the top pairings on the slate. Um so you could play them with Tyson Berry to open up some cap, oh, yeah. or you could do something like Minnesota. There's a ton of ways to play these guys in lineups that make a lot of sense. Um, so I think that Edmonton one is uh, one of my favorite stacks here. Yeah, I, I love that game stack, honestly. I think people are just going to see the back back and just for some reason shy away from it. Like maybe it's because it's not new and people like new things. Um, so I would use th- that um, big brain logic I just came up with. Huh. I, I, I will have a game stack with that uh, for sure um, with both sides. I think the, another one, Carolina, I said the four-man stack, I'm sticking to it. Sveshnikov, Terry Teravainen, um, throw in Trocek and throw in Hamilton. It's expensive, but you play that with a couple Minnesota guys and maybe um, uh, you could still get like Hoglander and another there on Winnipeg, uh, oh my God, on Vancouver and maybe a Winnipeg guy. And I think that could all come out. Um, yeah. Any last one for you? Yeah. So um, this one, I think, will be more of like a you know large field GPPs or even the late slate. Uh, you know, if you're if you're thinking multiple slates, uh, you know, these ten gamers are great times to play multiple slates. And I'm thinking for like the slate slate, this Anaheim Vegas game. Um, we there's a lot of uncertainty around the forwards in Vegas. It does sound like there's a lot of certainty though with the top players in Anaheim and the top line right now should be Ricard Raquel, uh, Adam Henrique and Jake, uh, Jacob Silverberg. I think all of those guys, you know, should see 20 plus minutes time on ice. Um, they're all really good NHL players. You know, there's not too many of those in the Anaheim roster, but all those guys are together. And if you're a little leery that this Vegas experiment could go wrong, you know, how many, how many experiments do go wrong in Vegas? I'm sure the number is pretty high. Um, you know, getting Anaheim one at super duper low ownership, even on a smaller slate, I think is uh, a really interesting, highly correlated uh, stack with a lot of upside. So. 
right. Um, I think, yeah, that, that'll probably pretty much do it for this show. I do want to mention one thing, though, and I think we hinted at it. I'm not sure if you actually said the words, though. So in every single daily fantasy sport, and hockey's included, you really want to make sure that the late game – so let's just say, for example, you are all in on Kirill Kaprizov. He should be your utility for sure. Um, like we said with Hoffman going out, if you had him in utility, you could have definitely factored in another guy. Like um, Sunfist, you had a goal. So if you well, didn't have him in utility – well. Did was Sunkfist the center? I was thinking like yeah, he was. Dunn. He was a okay, center. Sorry. Yeah, he You're was. Right. Okay. No, Vince. Dunn. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he was a center. So you would have missed out. Kairou scored as well, ironically enough. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. So you want to make sure you're doing that, and I think that does get overlooked, especially when you're making Ted lineups like me. I got as many as I could. Make sure you're doing that though. It doesn't matter if you love McDavid and um, Nugent Hopkins. You don't need to put Nugent Hopkins at wing. Put him at utility if you don't have any guys in the ten o'clock games. Uh, it just it definitely gives you a, more options with COVID. Um, obviously, Hoffman was out for a work visa, but COVID is going to come at players like out of absolute nowhere, and you're going to have five minutes to make a quick change. So have more options available. It's going to help you with all of your lineups. Maybe you can still get a correlating piece. Um, and with that, is there anything else you want to add here? Um, yeah, I mean, just in general, also late swap, you know, keep your optionality open for yeah. these late games. You know, by 10 o'clock, you should know how, you know, three, four, five of these games went and how your stacks are doing. If you can sort of move things around to ensure that you're, you know, not drawing dead when your your chalk fails and you're playing more late chalk, get off that late chalk and play some other guys. Um, you know, we definitely don't see that enough in all sports, but I think the NHL in particular. Um, so, yeah, I think that will do it for uh, this show here on the Mayo Media Network. Uh, again, thank you to uh, Fade the Noise for their kind sponsorship. Uh, be, just go over there, uh, use the code Mayo on their daily fantasy or their betting tools. Uh, I'm sure you won't regret it. And uh, be sure to follow Pat on Twitter because he's just giving out $100. You know, um, all you got to do is a couple, you know, really minor things to support this show. And uh you know, that, DJ, I think you have the more specifics on it, but like yeah. he's literally giving away a hundred bucks. So like, just you go just do it. Go to Apple podcast, or maybe any of the podcast forums. You leave a five-star rating and a review and you put your Twitter handle in there. That's it. You don't yeah. even have to put a nice comment. Although some people put some very nice comments about us and others. We do appreciate that. Um, do it. It's really easy. Um, then, then, like I said before, I mentioned twice now, check us out at the Morning Skate Podcast if you want more daily fantasy. There's at least some repeats, so you're going to find some of that. But, I mean, obviously, there's only so much we can talk about. And if you really, really, really like me and you want even more, um, if you love the Buffalo Sabres as much as I do, the Charging Buffalo, um, it, even if you just want to follow it for Buffalo News, if you have like lists of reporter try to get news out first so at the charging buffalo is also a blog that i write for do a little podcast work and hopefully we'll get a little bit more involved as the sabers push for a playoff spot and probably miss all right uh yeah so that will do it here um you can follow me on twitter i am at fake moods and dj is at dj underscore mitchell 94 uh so with all that said best of luck on your bets best of luck on your dfs play and let's just enjoy some hockey. So uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you.